Welcome into the Maroon Mike Podcast. I'm your co-host, Andrew Miller. I'm your other co-host, Lounge Dog. And Lounge, Mississippi State's pretty good at football. Bulldogs win 40-17 to over the Arkansas Razorbacks to move to 5-1 and on the season. Really dominant performance. Obviously, Arkansas without K.J. Jefferson did make a bit of a difference, but uh, offensively, dominant day. Defense gave up a lot of yards and made big stands and big moments. And Bulldogs are rolling right now. Yeah, I'm about to say, I don't think they've played this good over a stretch in Mike, at any point in Mike Leach's time here. Well, goes to show what an experienced team and a veteran quarterback goes for you. You can put consistent streaks together. For sure. Um, this is kind of what we were hoping when we when you look at a team that had the experience coming back year three within this system, both on offense and in defense, obviously. Um and it started to pay off. You put up 568 yards of offense. That is the third most we've had under Mike Leach. Um, the other big games were the infamous LSU game from his, from his first game here and then also the Tennessee State game last year. Um, great day offensively, which, uh, you know, it, it's really funny. I, it, it's interesting considering I was told Barry Odom knows how to shut down the air raid. I was told all you have to do is rush three, drop eight. Oh, oh, oh you didn't know. He, he, he put out the blueprint. He did put out the blueprint, which, look, credit to that, that woman. She, she was a good sport about it uh, when I when – I, I think you messed with her too. We both obviously had to receive – You know about that Beth, Beth lady? I don't remember the name, but I think we both quote tweeted about No, it. no, I remember you tweeted it. No, it wasn't her, but I know – I remember the woman you tweeted. Yeah, and she, she was a good sport about it. But I do think it's funny because uh, I, I, I joked – she, oh, she said uh, wrote the roadmap. They have the roadmap to stop the air raid. And all of them, according to them, their roadmap was that you rush three and drop eight. Well, that's what they did in this game. And now all of a sudden they're very mad that they rushed three and drop eight, which is very funny because I remember Texas A&M fans, that happened to them in 2021. Auburn fans, that happened to them in 2021. And now finally Arkansas fans who think they invented how to play the air raid are coming to grips with the fact that, oh, if you just rush three and drop eight, we will pick you apart. But it's very funny considering how confident they were that that's the defense. Like, all, all you have to do is rush three, drop eight, and you stop the air raid. Well, you, you saw what happened when this team's experienced. Yeah, I'm about to say. And it will you – put, you put a running attack with a Mike Leach offense – that is that is going to be hell on teams, period. For sure. No, we're going to talk a lot about the ground game in this episode because it was very, very impressive what they were able to do. And one last little thing I'll talk about with, with Arkansas fans is, and I think it was mostly just the one guy who was like a sports reporter over there, but then a lot of their fans, like, they, it's not that they disagreed with him, it's that they, didn't, they disagreed about the circumstances for this game. You can't be losing to Mississippi State in year three. Just – I, I talked about this with Daniel, I think, when we were previewing the Arizona game, because I, you know, I, 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 I'd let myself go and read other fans' message boards and see what their opinions are about certain games, and there were a lot of Arizona fans who found a lot of confidence that they would be able to beat Mississippi State because, well, it's just Mississippi State, and the the opinions people hold about our program, and of course, you see this in the SEC all the time, and and I tweeted something to this effect: every SEC West team thinks for whatever reason it's their God-given birthright that they're supposed to dominate Mississippi State. Mississippi State has beaten Arkansas eight of the last uh, 11 years. They won two in a row under Pittman. Good for them as we were building up because they they were a bad match at the time. This idea that they are somehow supposed to be far ahead of the Bulldogs, it's just the delusion that comes from, like, I'm sorry, you guys, you were in the same tier of program in the SEC, and frankly, we've been better for a long time. You got You had a couple years. You have to deal with the fact that you were not supposed to just beat Mississippi State because Mississippi State's on the helmet. Yeah, and that I, I tweeted about this. It's it's a brand. It's they go off brand perceptions. Now, when they see a Mississippi State logo, I think some of them still think of like the Crew Mara for some goddamn reason. Why? They don't look at the Mullen air. Like, he's beating teams that he, normally we weren't beating. 
Well, that's their argument is that Mullen was an outlier and therefore they expect Mississippi State to go back to being a cellar dweller, which for a moment they, they thought they were proven right that I think very clearly we're seeing that's not at all the case. Well, as Arkansas is the cellar dweller at one and freaking three. Yeah. I, those, those, I got bet receipts for those people said we would finish ahead of them in the division, them and all of them. So I feel confident I'm going to be a rich man at the end of the year. No, for sure. It like it, Arkansas, there is something I want to talk about them in just a few minutes, but we'll, we'll go over the game real quick first. Like that team, like th- that fan base. And I will say, I have a friend who lived in Arkansas for a while. And he said that, that in that state, there is a level of like, just, uh, I, I don't know, disillusionment, disillusion that they are just far better than they truly are. And I understand a lot of fan bases are like that, but like Arkansas fans have this uh, arrogance to them that they are somehow one of the top programs in college athletics. And it, it's just not accurate. I understand they've had success at various points across a lot of the major sports, but in, in terms of football, you are one of the bottom teams in the SEC. You, you just are what you are. It, you're, you're not going to be someone who readily can go out and contend for championships. You are in the same tier as Mississippi State. And right now, Mississippi State has been better and will con- – I mean, I'm not going to say we'll continue better. We'll see what happens. But, like, just assuming that you're supposed to beat Mississippi State because that's what you were doing 15 years ago, it's time to readjust your expectations. I was like, I'd argue – Go ahead. The the McFadden and Felix Felix Jones era was the peak of Arkansas football. Uh modern era, you could make that argument. I mean, Petrino having back to back double digit win seasons, um, a few years after that, we would probably put up there. Um, I mean, they did have a ten win season with McFadden, and then the next year, I think they kind of disappointed a little bit. All time, I mean, I understand in the Southwest Conference days, there was a stretch where they were competing for championships in that league. I mean, they do have a national championship in their history, but that's, Jerry, Jerry, Jerry Jones was in college. Yeah, it was. it's a long, long, long time ago that has zero impact on who they are today. Um, modern era, like, yeah, you would either the Wild Hog era with McFadden and Jones or a couple of years under Bobby Petrino before he decided to get on a motorcycle, which I actually saw a hilarious tweet about that, that if, if anyone wants to see, I retweeted it, so just go and scroll my timeline, literally talking about Bobby Petrino on a motorcycle. Uh, real quick, looking over this game, again, 40-17 to 17 is your final score. State puts up 568 yards of offense, 395 through the air. Will Rogers, another big day passing, 31-48, of 48, 8.2 yards per attempt. Didn't throw a pick, got away with a few, had a few passes that definitely could have been intercepted, but at the end of the day, uh, we're not going to count the Hellenbergers. Um, he didn't actually throw a pick, so it is what it is. You mentioned earlier the big story was what MSU was able to do on the ground. 37 rushes for 173 yards. That is the most rushing yards in the game that Mississippi State has had under Mike Leach. They averaged 4.7 yards per carry. Um, and I, I'm going to dive a little bit deeper into that ground game later when we go into positives for the show. It was huge. And for that reason, like State offensively basically had whatever they wanted the entire game. Um, defensively, Gave up a lot of yards, 483. Um, and, you know, 242 passing. I will say, like, both me and Daniel kind of thought if Arkansas got into that range passing yardage-wise, you could start to be a little bit concerned about this game. If Arkansas could have converted in the red zone, maybe so. But that was the big thing with what State was able to do defensively was making big stops in key moments. Uh, twice you had fourth down stops down in the red zone and kind of goal-to-go situations. Um, State's defense just came up with big plays and big moments, and – that's ultimately what, why they were able to get this dominant win. And now, again, they're 5-1 in the 5-1. They are number 16 in the AP poll, number 17 in the coaches' poll. And this team's got a chance to have a really good season, and they're moving in the right direction. Yeah, I mean, I'm about to say, get disregard, just not just the stand at the goal line, but Ford with a tremendous pick and Jackie Matthews. So there, there was there was some great moments on defense, but I'll kind of talk about the defense when it comes to our negatives. You kind of know where I'm going with this. Yeah, save that for a little bit later. But definitely, there, there's there's some things to 
to mention because it, it was it was a little rough. Um, which kind of, I, I will play off that real quick. If State was able to play a mistake-free game, they would be talking about like the way Tennessee is getting the hype right now. In large part because they probably would have beaten LSU. Um, but if you just play, if State was able to play clean, like they're blowing out these teams. And they're doing it with despite having kind of some sloppy football at times. And it's like, man, like if this team could just four quarters go out and not have those lapses, it they'd be hanging fifty on everyone. They'd probably be undefeated. And you're you're ranked around the top ten and people are talking like wait, Tennessee, like I'm I'm just gonna I guess I'll say now, there's gonna be a ton of people picking Tennessee to upset Bama this week. I'm not ready to hop on that train, but at a lot of people are gonna be doing it. Mississippi State would be getting that same type of buzz. Um, but hopefully you can, you know, fix that over the second half of the season and put yourself in that type of position. Yeah, I mean, you'll have opportunities Go starting off this weekend with Kentucky, who I know they didn't have their starting quarterback, but losing to South Carolina. Oof. Yeah, no, that was rough. And we'll, we'll talk about that towards the end of the show. Um so I guess we'll go right into our positives. Uh, and I kind of just hit on it. Right now we're halfway through the year, and State sitting at 5-1 and one is basically what most of us had predicted at this point. And in fact, pretty much all of us had that loss happen to LSU. And of course, I understand you see the game play out. You see how LSU looks now, and that game becomes a lot more disappointing. But I'm not going to harp on it too much. It is what it is. You, you've built off of that loss, and you've gotten things in gear since that point. And State's, again, they're on track to have the type of season that we – wanted them to have and be, you know, a good, solid team that has a good year in Mike Leach's third season. But considering how they've played and what we've seen out of them and what we've seen out of the opponents going forward, and I kind of just touched on this, like, this team has a chance to be really good. This team has a chance to be better than we expected. Now, I know you predicted 10-2, and two, so maybe not better than you expected, but they the, the opportunity is there for this to be a really, really big season, and I think if they can just clean up some of those lapses that we will touch on as we go through the negatives and not have the moments where you're just having the bust in coverage or just a you know, drop pass or a fumble or uh, missed kicks, which, my God, we'll get to that, um, and just start to finish and handle, like, there's not a team on the schedule they can't beat if they make, hit their full potential. And that includes the two teams that a couple of weeks ago we thought there was no chance to beat them. Oh. I kind of said we could beat Georgia. Well, I, I think a lot of us thought that before the season. Um, a lot of people had that as a big upset pick. I know you called it. Um, but then you see Georgia the first couple of weeks. It's like, oh, no, they've reached death machine mode. They've reached, like, peak save in Alabama mode. It ain't happening. Now they look a lot more vulnerable. I mean, I know they blew out Auburn, but that game, the score doesn't really isn't really indicative of how that game played out. Um, Georgia – really didn't play its best. They sort of benefited off of some Auburn mistakes, and that was kind of wh- how they set themselves up. I mean, it's, it's a bounce-back performance to an extent, and I'm not ready to sit here and say we'll beat Georgia, but in Starkville, in that stretch, they're gettable. And, look, I will never predict State to beat Alabama. I just won't. And, in fact, I'm going to say it right now. When that game comes around, I'm going to predict Alabama to beat the crap out of us because I just that's just what I'm going to predict. I, I'm not going to be Mr. We Believe. But if I put aside my personal biases and my per- and my own experiences of just knowing how that series goes, regardless of how gettable Alabama looks, they kill Mississippi State every year. Putting that aside, maybe just going off of what we've seen on the field, yeah, Mississippi State's got a chance in that game. Mississippi State can challenge them. So you've got opportunities to have a really big year and, you know, I think we've kind of almost reached the point where Mike Leach just, you know, getting to eight wins, even if you win the Egg Bowl, that's not that may not be enough for people to be happy. Well, you're gonna have to. I mean, I, I, Ole Miss is gettable. Obviously, East Tennessee, Auburn, yeah, Kentucky, winnable. I mean, you still get to like nine wins, and that's kind of where I said I, I said about eight, four, nine, and three. No, for sure. I, I, I guess the point I'm trying to make is like, look, I can, I would say like if this team plays exactly like they've been playing the rest of the way, they'll probably end up eight and four because you will, you're not going to beat Bama, you're not going to beat Georgia, and you'll probably take a slip up either to 
maybe to Kentucky this weekend, maybe in Oxford, which I know that's one you really need to win. Because, like, a few games, like, it's like the LSU game. You can't continuously have the weird moments and just can't keep getting away with it. Certain point, somebody's going to get you because of it. I mean, I know no one wants to put this in the universe, but that's exactly how you allow Auburn Jesus to rise from the grave by making a bunch of dumb, stupid yeah. mistakes. <laughs> but hopefully that doesn't happen. Um, but if they clean stuff up, then then you start talking about the true potential of this team of winning nine plus games. So they're on track. Let's see if they can continue to build off it. Part of the reason you can have confidence for this team going forward is uh, the offensive line is playing really freaking well. Um, did not allow a sack in this game. Will Rogers is pretty much never under pressure. Obviously, this is another week without Dollar Bill out there with Nick Jones and Stephen Lasoya in it. Those guys are doing an outstanding job. And I know Arkansas fans, their whole thing is, yeah, well, we only rushed three the whole game, and that's on Barry Odom. Okay, maybe so, but, like, we've seen in the past that even three-man rush has given State problems. They're doing their job, and they're giving Rodgers all the time that he needs. The run blocking is vastly improved, and we're going to get to that in just a second. O-line's really mulling guys out there. Yeah, uh... I was real impressed. I, I think maybe just one holding call all game Saturday. Uh, I think. And yeah. There wasn't any false starts. I know that. Yeah, I don't know if there were like there might have been a might have been a holding. There was a. Oh, there was a holding. Offense. I watched. The, I knew there was a hold because I watched the replay this morning. There was a bad offensive pass interference call that was just stupid. There was a bad blindside block blindside block call. I don't remember what the fourth penalty was, but yeah, I mean, offensive line did it. And by the way, neither of those penalties, the offensive PI or the blind side, that wasn't offensive line. They played really well, and that's huge for this game going forward. You got to be able to provide protection. You got to pave the way when you choose to run the football, and they're doing it right now. I agree. All right. So let's talk a little bit about that rushing attack. Uh, we have a 100-yard rusher, Dylan Johnson, 17 carries for exactly 100 yards. He barely got it on stage last drive of the game. Uh, two touchdowns for him, including a long 30, like a 30-yard touchdown run where he had an awesome dive for the pie line. Um, you get 52 yards out of Jaquavius Marks in a touchdown. Um, 173 yards. That is, again, the most rushing yards that we've had under Mike Leach. And if you look back in his history, like, so like Mississippi State, through five games, is, or six games, rather, is averaging, let me pull it up, 100 and where? Sorry, my, my Twitter was being stupid. He's averaging 107 yards per game, or we MSU's averaging 107. Uh, Mike Leach has had four teams previously that rushed for at least 100 yards per game. 2003 Texas Tech uh, went for 103. 2005 Tech went for 108. 2008 Tech went for 118. And 2016 Wazoo, 120. I know everybody is curious about well, how did those team seasons go? 2003 went eight and five. 2005, nine and three. 2008, obviously, that's Leach's best team as a coach, 11 and two, 11 and one regular season. 2016, Washington State, eight and five. So two nine plus win seasons in there, couple eight win seasons. Pretty good Leach years. Now, Leach, you know, has had an 11 win season at Wazoo where they, they only rushed for like 80, 90 yards a game. He's had other nine-win seasons mixed in where his teams didn't rush for 100 yards per game. But he does have a couple teams in there where the running game helped him a lot. Um, and a lot of that goes back to the run block. is has been a lot much improved. And if people are curious, 173 yards, I, I wanted to know how high that ranked up for Mike Leach teams overall. Like what's It's the 16th most rush yards by a Leach team. Uh, it's not quite as high as maybe you would think. He's actually had several games of 200-plus rushing yards. Uh, including that 2016 Washington State team. They did it like three different times. They had one game, they almost hit 300. Um, so 173 actually isn't super high up the list for Leach, but it's the most he's had here um, as our coach. And one little th one other little thing I want to say with this, uh, our yards per attempt for our running backs is up over 5.2 for the season, which is up from 4.6 last year. Um, mm -hmm. Goes back to the offensive line. And guys paving the way up front. And you mentioned this earlier. If you can have a big dominant running game, this offense really becomes unstoppable. Yeah, I mean, you're not you're not gonna do anything. Just 
basic common football knowledge. You're not going to be worth a name if you're one-dimensional. And so but I think at this point it's literally pick your poison. Yeah, no. States made and states made a few adjustments with how they're run blocking. They mix some other looks into the run game, and it's still they're still keeping it very basic. They they either run inside zone, uh, pin and pull toss sweep, where they have like just literally just a dive play that they run. But that alone, in with getting more physical, getting more downhill with the offensive line, uh, you're getting a lot more going in the ground game, and it is setting up opportunities for the passing attack. And you know. This offense, does this offense work if you're not running the football? Yes. I think you can find enough opportunities to make it work and go out and have, you know, good productive offenses. But it's absolutely at its best when you can run the ball like this. And that's what, you know, State hasn't always been able to run the ball under Mike Leach. It's not even just a question of opportunity. It's a question of how well they've done it. They're doing it really well right now. And I think a lot of that goes back to the offensive line. Last big, uh, or actually not my last big positive. I have one more after this. Um, defense just keeps making plays when, when they have to. And you kind of mentioned la- on last week's show that, you know, you thought it was a little bit of a bend, don't break attack from the defense against Texas A&M. We saw the same. Um, Arkansas had a lot of yards. Arkansas was in potential to score, score points, and State just kept coming up strong. Arkansas went 0 of 3 on third downs. Two of those stops were down in the red zone. The other in- resulted in a Jackie Matthews interception. Um, didn't get a ton of pressure in the game. They did manage a couple of sacks. Um, you know, Hornsby was really able to evade a lot of that, and including, hit, you know, extend plays with his legs, hit some plays downfield. But, like, they – when the defense had to hold firm, the defense did. And I think that's kind of what you're starting to expect out of a Zach Harnett defense is, like, yeah, you're going to get burnt some. And, you know, there's things that have to be cleaned up. But, I mean, they just keep coming up big when you need them. And if, if they're going to continue doing that, I mean – you really start talking about this being a really strong defensive unit. Yeah, I mean, sometimes you're going to be, be breaking – sometimes you're, there's going to be one game or two where you just break a little more. Like, you get to – you play Alabama, you can't – you'll be bending it a good bit, but I don't know. This bit don't break. Not – Yes, it works at times, and then kind of like Ornette's total defense in general, they're going to blitz a lot more than a normal team, and they're going to risk it. So, I mean, but now there were a couple times they got some some big three and outs, like start the second half. After that, oh, yeah. they left that kickoff. Completely changed the momentum already from what momentum they had going into halftime. So, I'm about to say, uh, one of the fans of that, like, right, I think it was right before half, somewhat they scored a touchdown or, hold on, or maybe that was like mid second quarter. I can't uh, remember. Look at the play by play right now. Um, they're touched, uh, they got a touchdown drive with yeah, just over a minute left in the first half. Um, so yeah, it was right there towards the end. Hey, that can't that can't happen. Again, that has been a couple happened to LSU, almost happened against A M. Yeah, no, so, I, I get you, and I look, I, I definitely agree. It's more stress inducing this way. Um but and like I certainly <laughs> I feel we're going to talk about that. We're, we're about to get to some of the negatives from the game. Um, and obviously, we'll be able to go into that a little bit more. But I will take positive. Like, they, when they have to get a stop, they get to it. And, um, you know, look, some of that is also kind of just what this team is as a whole. When the offense has to get something going, the offense is able to do it. Um, this team responds really well to adversity, which is a whole, you know, big thing that Mike Leach tries to preach with his teams is, you know, even – like. If you can step up in the toughest moments, that's a big thing for you going forward. Last big positive, I will say, shout out to the fans who showed up. Um, I know it wasn't the, the total packed house people would want, but I did think, for, you know, it w- once people started to really file in about halfway through the first quarter, it was a nice crowd for what was there. Um, I mean, it came, the energy came through watching the game down here in Gulfport. Uh, and I thought y'all created a really good atmosphere that this team, you know, needs and deserves. 
And, you know, now we got to, you know, about basically a month until the next home game against Auburn. Uh, but, look, I, I don't know what time that kickoff's going to be. I can't promise any results, but I feel like that team absolutely deserves to have a lot more fans on hand for that game as well, um, even though Auburn may not be the best opponent. Well, they deserve it. If they – top 20 team, man, I was at the game looking at it. Arkansas fans didn't bring that big of a crowd either. No, they didn't. And I will say that is something I have noticed in, in the past. A lot of states' biggest, you know, record crowds, like even 2014 Auburn, there were a crap ton of Auburn fans at that game. Um, a lot of the biggest crowds the state has had in its history, there are a lot of visiting fans, which goes back to us having a smaller fan base. You know, and I know John Cohen over the over the summer, he was making a whole big deal about how Mississippi State fans have to work harder because we don't have the big metropolis, you know, within an hour of town here. You have to, you know, our fans have to travel further. And, you know, state, he, he went on that a lot. It was a big point he had for basically every speaking engagement he had. And, look, he's right. We, we don't have those big, uh, you know, city centers that, that are close by that are going to have a ton of our fans to, to show up. So when the visiting team doesn't bring as much, that does, you know, hit our attendance a little bit. But ultimately, I still think there's enough state fans to be able to get 60,000 people in the stands. I mean, I, I was I, – I, I stood up the whole game on those little, little walkways up to the upper deck, and I kind of looked out in the junction, and, man, just sitting there, people just sitting there watching on the TV. I'm like, you have to kid me. Of course, I know – Someone needs to protect the tailgate. Okay, somebody yeah, well, comes by. That, that is one of those things. Like, I do know there are legitimately people who, like, they go to tailgate, but they don't have tickets, which, hey, it, you know, it is what it is. But there's also are a lot of people who, like, have tickets and go to the tailgate and, like, well, I might go in the game. Like, come on, man. Like, if you're already here, why not go in? Like, so, you know, it was it was a, it was a nice crowd. Hopefully we can build off that going forward. Now we'll talk about some of the negative. I was at SEC Nation. It was a good crowd of college kids. Well, I say college kids. It's mostly it was a good crowd kids. in general, though. You know, it was a really good crowd through the TV. Um, uh, SEC Nation, I don't think that, like, I feel like I've seen them make this comment outside of being at Mississippi State. Like, people ask them where their favorite places to go. And I know a lot of people are like, oh, I'm sure they say it for every town. Like, I think I've seen them ask, like, you know, you know, no bias aside or like no trying to suck up to anyone. They're like, no, Mississippi State's one of our favorite places to go because the fan base shows out and, you know, treats us well and gives us a good time. And our fan base did a really nice job with that. So let's yeah, talk. I was, I was, I got, I was on, I was on TV. I was behind Brian McGee's big head. <laughs> there you go. Now, you know say, that, that, show, that show was made for Starful. I would agree. Um, and our setup there in the, in the junction is, is really nice for it with the backdrop for the stadium and all the tailgating right there in front. We do have to talk a yeah. little bit. There are some negatives for this game. And I yeah. talked about this one earlier, and I said I wasn't going to do Kellenbergers, and I'm not. The interceptions don't count if they don't get caught. But Will's getting a little bit risky over these past couple games. He got away with a few against A&M. He got away with more against Arkansas. Um Look, the guy's throwing – he's throwing 22 touchdowns, just three interceptions in the season. He's on pace, if you count the bowl game, to throw for like 4,500 yards and 47 touchdowns, which is ridiculous. He, he – well, completing, you know, 70-plus percent of his passes. He's obviously really stinking good, but a few of these could definitely get picked off. And, uh, you know, that's one of those things you got to clean up and get some of these better defenses you face. Because Arkansas obviously sucks yeah. Yeah, I'm about to say they they tipped a couple of passes I thought they were gonna pick off. I'm yeah. like, yeesh. A and M he dodged a couple of pick sixes. He did. And it's one it's one thing to me, like if you're taking a shot downfield on a fifty fifty ball and you know the D B gets close or comes away with it. Some of these were like crossing routes over the middle where, you know, two, three guys, you know, standing there in coverage, you know, but I, I Will loves to do a good job of like improvising, and obviously he got a couple touchdowns in this game on some of those improv, improvising runs. Um, it's got to be a little bit smarter on some of those, just something to clean up going forward. But at the same time, that's nitpicking. Like he's having a great season. 
Now, this is I know this is going to be Lounge's favorite talking point because he he's gone point brought a few times. The big plays a lot on defense. A lot of miscommunication downfield, and just how have we not figured out how to spy a fast quarterback? How have we not like looked and said when a guy like Hornsby or Jaden Daniels or someone who can run is in there, do we not have someone like okay, you, you are going to contain him? Because like so many opportunities to to get stops and just kept giving up some of those big plays. Damn. Well, it also it was like we weren't getting any pressure, and he was getting out of the pocket. You can't ask your secondary to cover for that long. But I mean, these guys weren't even there. Were guys like ten yards within the guy? Like now, there was a couple of plays that, or there was one pass Orsby made. It was a tremendous throw for a touchdown. Yeah, that that deep throat bomb, I don't put that on the secondary. Um, that pass rush has to be able to get home there. He was back in the pocket for a long time. And that throw, like Cameron Richardson was in good position. It was just a dart of a throw and then a really good catch. Like, I can't really complain about the, the secondary on that one. But for as long as he was back there in the pocket, you got to be able to get pressure. And it feels like if, unless we're just blitzing a bunch of guys, we're not great at getting home. Uh, now, I will credit Arkansas has a good offensive line. They do, but they're, uh, some of the pass rush numbers lie a little bit. This is something me and Daniel talked about in the preview. Um, they, like, run blocking, they're outstanding. When it comes to pass protection, they give up a lot more pressure than a lot of people realize in terms of, like, it's just they don't throw it as much so the numbers don't jump off the page. Oh. Well, this is this wouldn't be the first time where we 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 just couldn't get to the quarterback. Yeah, no, I mean, and again, they kept making stops. Like, I got to give them props for that as one of the positives. But sometimes you shouldn't be having to have these you know fourth and one situations down on the goal line over and over again. Uh, you hope to be able to handle that a little bit better. And then the last big negative from this game, we thought we had moved past it. We thought we'd escaped it, but kicking game. Ben Rayburn, um, this is a 40-yard field goal where should have been in the first half, should have been easily makeable. And then the second half, uh, you have one missed extra point and then another one that was a botched snap. Um, so, I mean, obviously that's not on him. That's on the holder. But it, it cost State three games last year. And I get the eerie, eerie feeling it's going to cost us again this year. I don't know if it's the holder or the snapper, because I don't feel like it's the kicker. The missed field goal, I mean, that was on him. Which, look, I get it, misses happen. But, I mean, it, it 40 yards and in, you feel like college. I mean, the guy made from 53 a couple of weeks ago. And he just kind of pulled that 40-yarder. But, I mean, maybe it is something with the holding because it's been such an issue on extra points. But, I mean, you got to get that sorted out. Special teams as a whole have been much improved this year. Your punting is good. Your kick coverage is good. Your your kickoff and punt return is good. Um, and, I mean, obviously you have a blocked field goal that you return for a touchdown. Like, your overall special teams has been fantastic. It's just this – the aspect of special teams that gets the most attention put on it has not been great. And it, whether it's holder, whether it's kicker, whatever it is, you got to sort that out. Well, we might not, we might not figure it out until after the season, off, off season, because at this point you're halfway through the season. It is what it is. Yeah, I, I know. I, I just hope it gets sorted out. So, I mean, those are the big takeaways from the game. Um, let's go through real quick uh, our MVP. So, who do you have as your offensive MVP for this one, Lounge? Uh, Dylan Johnson. Yeah. First 100-yard rusher that we've had under Mike Leach. He gets two touchdowns. He also was very impactful through the air. Um, Colton wanted me to bring something up about this. Uh, those shovel passes that we kept running were killing Arkansas, just torching them. 
Um, and th- those are plays that haven't been as effective for us recently. Like that's something Mike Leach has been running his whole career. That shovel pass he's had forever. I believe he calls it F five. Um, but uh, we it's it's worked really well for us, uh, or at least worked well really well for us back game. Yeah, Dylan Johnson was outstanding, and originally I was going to put him, but I'm going to kind of bend the rules and give it to an entire group. I'm giving the offensive MVP to the offensive line. Gave Will all the time he needed, didn't give up a sack, didn't really give up any pressures, and they paved the way from that ground game so to allow Dylan Johnson to have a big day, to allow Jaquavius Marks to continue, uh, you know, show what he can do. And that offensive line, man, they're, they're playing really, really well right now, and they're going to have to keep that up because, you know, there's no shortage of great pass rushers and defensive linemen in the SEC. Who do you have as your defensive MVP? Oh, gosh. I mean, he didn't even look at the stats, but I know Forge was locked down. I know he had a big, he had a big pick to stop, prevent a touchdown. Uh, give me Forbes. Yeah, no, hey, back to back weeks for Emmanuel Forbes can't go wrong picking him. He one of the best corners in the SEC. That's four interceptions for him now in the season. Uh, keeps working his way up towards that MSU career total. I'm going to I'm picking between two guys. I will shout them both out, but I will officially pick, since this was kind of his breakout game, Jackie Matthews um, gets his first – he was a part of two big first fourth down stops for State. Um, in the second time that Arkansas got down in a, you know, short yard goal-to-go situation, he bursts through and makes the stop on fourth and one, gets the tackle in the backfield. And then another fourth down, he gets his first interception as a Bulldog. Really good game for him. He's he was a huge addition for this team in the secondary, getting another piece back there uh, to you know shore up that safety position and kind of working as the nickel corner. Um, he he's been a really nice prep player. But the other guy I do want to shout out, Tyrus Wheat. Um, he gets a sack on the first series in this game, really kind of set the tone. And then he was the one on that first time that Arkansas got down and you know fourth fourth and one down on the goal line. He bursts through and makes the tackle there uh, to get get the stop. Really set the tone. It, it was one of those games where, you know, it's hard to pinpoint any one guy who stood out. Jet Johnson had, you know, 11 tackles, big day for him. Um, but you had a lot of guys who really contributed and play well, played well. Hey, here's another MVP. Kendall Browse. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, some of those play calling decisions, exactly what your Arkansas friends – Always love to talk about he he uh gets in his own way some. Well, they want they want one of the coordinators gone. It's literally take your pick. Yeah, no, very much. So I mean, obviously, look, part of the story in this game is you know whether or not KJ Jefferson, you know, well whether or not KJ Jefferson would play and the impact that he could have had. Look, obviously, it would have been much more competitive. Their defense wasn't going to stop State. State gets the big dominant win and. I, I, you know, they have pieces out of the secondary and that, you know, problem too. But at the end of the day, I think State was just a better team than Arkansas and they were going to get this win. But I, I thought about something with Arkansas earlier today and I, I made a comparison. I want to see what you think about it. Because, you know, now they're they're getting into all this talk about, well, what is the program under Sam Pittman? And, like, how quickly they've turned in their opinion of things. I feel like Arkansas, though, through two and a half seasons, is basically Mississippi State under Mullen from 2009 to 2011. Think about year one. You take over a program that's been in a really bad spot, but you you inherit some actually decent players with the, some of the talent that was right there, some of the young talent. Um, it's obviously, you know, you don't have the pieces to be good, but you show competitiveness, you start to build an identity, you are competitive in, in games, you have some chances at some big wins, and – no, it's not a bowl season. Uh, it's you know still a losing season, but you ha- you know you break through and have a, or not fully break through, but you have a good year where it's like things are moving in the right direction, and there is buy-in from your fan base. Year two, this is the big breakthrough year. You really establish an, a brand on both sides of the football. All those pieces start to come together, and you you get some nice wins. You show competitiveness against better teams in the league, and you break through to a nine-win season. And then you go into year three, you've got a bunch of players coming back. You've got these high expectations, preseason top 25 team, and you just one side of the ball, it just ain't there. 
and it's not enough, and you suffer a loss early in the season that's pretty demoralizing, and it just kind of crashes your way. And look, obviously it's TBD. Mississippi State that year ends up going six and six. Arkansas might have to fight to go six and six. Uh, and like the biggest difference is, of course, for State offensively they weren't good in 2011. Arkansas, it's their defense, and I know Arkansas is the injury concerns, but and for State it was that Auburn game in 2011 that really set things apart. For Arkansas, it was probably that A and M game, but I think a lot of it matches up. What do you think about that? Yeah, I mean that's a pretty good comparison. And then, so I guess they're going to get win by. So next year they're going to be overrated as hell, hell by beating about beating a bunch of cupcakes. Yes, they're going to be seven and zero going to Tuscaloosa and chanting "We believe." And then they're going to lose uh, five of their final six games. So, but eventually they're going to go to number one in the country, only to lose to their bitter rivals at the end of the season. That sucks. Yeah, I know. It, it would hate to happen. I hate, hate to see that happen. I don't know. Like that was just a random thing I thought of, and I thought I'd bring it up. Like I, I it, it is kind of interesting to see where they're at. Like, and I think there's a lot of parallels there. And I mean, look, Sam Pittman has done a really nice job. I know Arkansas fans now, somebody put out the record. Uh, you know, Pittman now has a worse record to this point than Mike Leach does, which all of them are like, oh, well, the situation he inherited. Well, okay, the situation Le- Leach inherited wasn't nearly as good as you people realize. Um, Pittman was able to take what was there and work with it. Leach had to really kind of blow things up. I know that approach isn't popular, but I don't know. Kind of interesting to see where the, the programs are at. I mean, I think they'll still make a bowl and they'll be better once KJ comes back, but um, it, I can't help but laugh a little bit. Just the number of them who thought this was a ten-win season on the way. Well, I would have been not, not laughing. Yeah. So <laughs> for sure. So let's take a look at some of what happened across the SEC over the past weekend. Um, obviously, the big story is going to be what took place in Tuscaloosa. So. Bryce Young does not play for Alabama, and Bryce Young is kind of important to Alabama because they almost let themselves lose to Texas A&M for a second straight season. I fell asleep in the second half or, like, midway through the third. I was like – I woke up and someone told me, I said, what? They might lost on the last play? Yes. So, I mean, ever pretty much I think everybody watched this game. I don't need to go much into it. But Jalen Miller, Alabama's backup, had three turnovers himself, and A&M was able to get a lot of points off of it. Bama also had a fourth turnover. Pretty much everything A&M got going in this game was a result of Alabama turnovers. And that offense just really is not functioning well when they don't have a guy named Bryce Young. Probably has a lot to do with the guy that's their offensive coordinator. Um Look, Jimbo was able to get some stuff happening um, with Haynes King. I mean, they played better offensively than they played in the past, but Jimbo couldn't help but show his true colors on the final play of the game where you're, you know, got a two seconds left. You're from the two-yard line. You're down four. Got to play to win the football game. And he tries to throw a quick out to Evan Stewart on the goal line, which, by the way, one of the Bama DBs comes out after the game and says, oh, yeah, we saw Jimbo Fisher yelling Evan, Evan, Evan at Haynes King, basically knowing, oh, yeah, they're throwing to Evan Stewart. Um, just Jimbo Fisher has his 500-page playbook, and that's what he comes up with for the final play of the game. Uh, and I guess A&M could be happy they played a little bit better, but, I mean, they're 3-3. Three and three. Whew. That's a piss-poor return on investment. I know they said they're young. And I mean, come on. But granted, they played Alabama competitively, even though Alabama tried to tried to give it to them. That's going to come back and bite Alabama one of these games. Yeah, no, they they need Bryce Young to get healthy, and they need him to be healthy fast because the next game we'll talk about. Tennessee looks really freaking good. Uh, balls go down to Death Valley and just whip. LSU 40 to 13 from literally like the first play of the game. Uh, it, it went poorly for the Tigers with like a, a, a fumble on the opening kickoff return. Hinton Hooker's remarkable. LSU 
looks pretty bad, which I know that just makes state fans even more frustrated. But uh, Tennessee, I mean, college game day is going back to Knoxville. Battle of undefeateds. I mean, do you think this is a year they have a chance to snap the streak? I really do. Um, this is about the most. This is obviously the best team in in a, over a decade and a half at the, in Tennessee. And Alabama looks vulnerable, particularly on the offense. Uh, Bill O'Brien's Bill O'Brien is an idiot. First off, and then. The defense at times, the secondary will, will look suspect. If they can't get pass rush, their defense can be got. Now, have a Will Anderson, they typically are going to get pass rush, but putting it all on that one guy, I mean, it's not the Bama defense. Like, this is an Alabama team preseason. Like, there was talk, like, they have a chance to be Saban's best team here. And, look, the potential obviously still – they're not going to be Saban's best team because Saban's best team wouldn't have struggled like this to this point. The potential is still there for them to be really, really good. But we're now talking about, like, this is a year a year and a half of them really not ever fully putting it together. I mean, if they don't put it together, they're going to get caught. Totally agree. Missouri uh, falls to Florida 24-17. That game was ugly and really no one watched it, so we're not going to dive into it at all because I, mean, I don't really know what happens other than that was the score. I think Florida messed around, had a big lead, I believe, and then Missouri kind of made it interesting. Talked about it a little bit earlier. Georgia kills Auburn 42-10, to 10, but, I mean, really this was more that – it wasn't that Georgia was really doing much early in that game as it was Auburn just kept screwing up and giving Georgia opportunities. I mean, we're going to face Auburn in a month and then have Georgia right after. We kind of touched on this earlier. I mean, don't allow yourself to get Auburn jesus and then maybe you have an opportunity to do something special when uh, Georgia comes to town. Oh, yeah. Just one game at a time. So, uh, for a minute there, I thought it was going to be really interesting in Nashville when Vanderbilt was up 20-17 to 17 on the Ole Miss Rebels. Uh, and then Vanderbilt only scored eight more points the rest of the way, and Ole Miss woke up to win 52-28. Ultimately, that's what this game is supposed to be. But, look, Ole Miss slept walk. And, look, I get it. You have a big emotional victory over Kentucky the last week. But, I mean, I know they're undefeated. And, look, they're they're a good team. I'm not going to be just completely a biased homer and say they're not. But, I mean, they don't – it's not like they look remarkable. And, I mean, I think if State plays its best game, State should be the better team. But, you know, as we talked about, we don't know if State will play its best game. And that game is in Oxford. Yeah, well, we'll cross that bridge when we get to it. For sure. And obviously a game that's going to be most, uh, you know, a lot of attention is going to be put on because of, you know, who you play next week. Kentucky, oof. No Will Levis, and as much as we make fun of Will Levis, Kentucky kind of is screwed if they don't have him. They lose at home 24-14 to to South Carolina, who had not looked impressive at all this season. Um, only managed 299 yards of offense. They even without Levis, they couldn't get anything going. Like, you would think, okay, we're going to lean on the ground game more. Yeah, no, 36 carries for 121, just 3.4 yards per rush. Turn it over. Backup quarterback does not play well for them. And Kentucky, like, they, they're they just not that good of a football team. And it's not 100% they're going to have Will Levis next week. Levis himself said, yeah, I'll be ready to play. But then Stoops came out and said, no, he's still day by day. We'll, we'll continue to evaluate. I expect we'll see Will Levis, but, you know, most of us had this as a loss preseason because going up to Lexington has been tough, but this Kentucky no, team ain't looking I, great. I, I, I said this would be a win. So I'm, you had it as a win. I'm, yes. Because nothing about Kentucky impresses me ever. Yeah. So, I mean, I will say, in our overhyped big show, go ahead. I was an overhyped quarterback. Don't know what the scouts see of him. I, I mean, the defense, it's okay, I guess. Just their, their type of their, their type of offense 
it's more it's more towards Jimbo type offense than like a Leach or a old Lane Kiffin offense. And in, in today's game, you got to have an up tempo type type offense. Yeah. So what Kentucky does offensively works for them when their offensive line doesn't suck. Their offensive line sucks. That, that that's that's the problem. And South Carolina was able to run all over them. We know Mississippi – last year, that was one of the few games Mississippi State ran the ball effectively. And we're seeing now State's rushing attack is even better. And, I mean, State was able to give a ton of pressure on Levis last year and give him a lot of trouble up front. This game's setting up like a great matchup for Mississippi State where State can just sort of dominate at the line of scrimmage. And I will say, in our big preview show, I technically at the end, I, I changed my prediction and said, fine, we'll beat Kentucky and go 9-3. and three. I was more doing that kind of being fun. Like eight and four was sort of still my my in my true like heart of hearts is what I think. But now I look at this game and I feel like state probably should win. Ye a little faith. Well, okay, I, I was ye a little faith before the season. Now I feel like yeah, I mean, this team is. It's not that I ever thought Kentucky was going to be that great. It was just that hey, you're going up to Lexington, so. Look, I mean, we're obviously we're going to preview that show, that game more in depth on the next show when I get Daniel back on here. Um, Lounge, any final thoughts? I must say, the dogs just got to take one game at a time, as I said earlier. I like where this team's headed, and I kind of I like where the. I like what the future the future of the program is. A season like this def, definitely helps boost recruiting in my eyes. Uh, so, and also make sure pay whatever Zach Garnett's worth to keep him here. Well, I mean, he keeps giving up some of those big plays. I don't know. We might, might have to reevaluate some of that. But, I mean, if they keep making stops, it, it'll all be worth it. Um, guys, obviously, like I said, we'll be Daniel not back later this week to preview the Kentucky game. Um, as state looks to make, make it, you know, four wins in a row. Talk about this stretch. Everybody was like, Hey, you know, take two out of three. Well, now feels like you can get all three and that would be, you know, the state tries to really move ahead and really get the season rolling. Uh, thanks to everybody for listening. Thanks Lounge for tuning in. And as always, swing your sword, hail state.